Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Life Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation, where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. Hey there, this is Dr. Corey Gilbert. Welcome back to our look at Lost in Transnation, a psychiatrist's guide out of the madness. Um, we were looking at this book. Our first look was preface and introduction. And then um, last one was chapter one. And today we're looking at chapter two. Um, and parts of it before I was reading most of it and we're gonna kind of skim through and look at different parts. But the goal is to really have a deep dive for those of you that obviously are not gonna um, either have time to read it um, and, it's, and need the auditory um, reminder of, of kind of what's going on in, in preparation. So chapter two, Psychiatry's Dangerous Idea. Ooh, this is a, a really good one. So it starts off with in 1997, there was a meeting at the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, the AACAP, and a film was actually uh, screened. It's called a uh, Belgian film, Ma, Ville, and Rose. It was screened and discussed the story of Ludovic, a seven-year-old boy who yearned to be a girl to learn for femininity um, and his family suffered humiliation and disdain and disgrace father lost his job it was seen as a superb film but following the film so the author dr grossman of this book expected a discussion about the boy's delusion that he's a girl this is 1997 and and that he will become a woman according to at the time the psychiatry's dsm diagnostic and statistical manual mental disorders he suffered from gender identity disorder gid Instead, which is what happened, colleagues focused on Ludovic's victimization in a society with a rigid definitions with rigid definitions of male and female. If his culture did not insist on a black and white understanding of sex, my colleagues argued, he would have had an easier time. The implication was that society must change. I sat in the audience and thought, wait a minute. Sure, there are feminine boys with those whose personalities and interests are not stereotypically male, and that's fine. But this was different. Ludovic insisted he is a girl, an actual girl. When his beliefs were challenged, he had a meltdown and escaped to a fantasy world of glitter and princesses. I raised my hand to say it was the boy who was disordered and not society, and I looked around and listened, and it dawned on me that uh, my comment uh, would not be well received, and so I didn't have the guts to be the sole challenger, and I lowered my hand. Again, 1997. Something had changed in psychiatry, and I needed to figure out why, and this is part of why this book is so important. So gender identity, then and now. Sooner or later, the term gender identity will be used in your home, and I want you to be thoroughly aware of where it came from. Again, we looked at John Money. Um, Money proposed that an identity of either male or female is imposed on a child by society, and that by age three, it's permanent. So your child has been taught differently. Uh, let's say that you have a daughter and her femaleness, um, she's been told, is an internal sense. She might also be male, both male and female or neither. She's been told there are dozens of possibilities and she believes her identity can change over her lifetime. Regarding the gender binary, male and female, fixed in childhood, to her that's false and transphobic. So there are many people like her and 
she'll tell you there always have been and those gender identities do not match your genitals it's a normal variant uh, like red hair but they're a marginalized and oppressed group and that's why so many trans people commit suicide so okay wait a minute here john money he was exposed in 1997 as bogus without scientific foundation and evolves into what some seems to, to be like an entirely new concept. And it's not really, but the original belief went like this. Girls are passive and emotional and like makeup and dresses because of society's expectations. Now the ideologues insist a guy who says he's a girl is a girl and an oppressed minority. So here's a review of what we've looked at. Then male and female now limitless possibilities then it was imposed by culture now an inner experience then it was fixed at age three now it's fluid throughout life then there was an it was an academic theory and now it's a turbocharged crusade so dr um dr alston and grossman in her reading of the, her writing of this book in my own quest to understand the bizarre evolution of gender identity I discovered the process would require studying post-structuralism, first-wave feminism, queer theory, gender schema theory, second-wave feminism, Marxist feminism, anti-essentialism, radical feminism, third-wave feminism, and radical gender theory. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I'm not going to pretend I even know what any of those are. And so she went into her field, her medical field, psych psychiatry. Um, so what I do know is that the concepts and terminology have been ever-changing and increasingly radical. So even as I write these words, more and more inane ideas are introduced and foisted on me. For example, the world's most foremost authority on transgender health that we mentioned before, WPATH, um, tells me that eunuchs, castrated boys, are a sexual orientation like gay and lesbian. Yeah, have you heard that one before? That one was new to me. Um, also seen over and over the real-life consequences of a phony psychological theory that became the foundation for a global social justice movement. And I know, boy, I do know, about the current and future victims of that movement, the young people who are disfigured and sterilized, their lives and their families shattered. I'm going to stick to what I do know, and that's what I've figured out. During the decades after Money's theory was institutionally embraced, and Brenda slash David was living in a torment, male and female came to be seen as an entirely new way, or in a new way. The two sex options, or binary it was argued, is a lie. Sex is a spectrum. People rejected the binary, or people rejecting the binary are oppressed. Gender and sex are instruments of power and the system must come down. As journalist Christopher Rufo explains, radical gender theorists argue that white European men invented the gender binary or division between man and woman in order to oppress racial and sexual minorities. They believe that the system of heteronormativity must be exposed, critiqued, and deconstructed in order to usher in a world beyond the norms of heterosexual middle-class society in order to facilitate the de deconstruction of the system. Radical gender activists promote synthetic sexual identities synthetic sexual identities. The goal is to replace notions of biological sex, the male-female binary, and the nuclear family with queer alternatives and a world beyond binaries. <laughs> with that paragraph, I'm reminded why I studied biology and chemistry in college, not political science. What is the, what is this gobbledygook, she calls it? How did it become mainstream? 
people think that think the gender the ideology blitz is new and developed at, at breathtaking speed and it did not no so that while the number of young people identifying as gender variant has exploded recently the groundbreak gr groundwork was in place before they were born so we need to look at what happened it didn't start yesterday so regarding trans, so many patient, parents, journalists, and others wonder, what is happening all of a sudden? Where did it come from? So listen up. No one should be surprised. Kids have been indoctrinated with gender ideology since at least the 90s. Anyone who believes the craze suddenly appeared has not been paying attention. Today's version of money's gender identity, the idea of limitless options, fluid thought throughout life, a normal variant, oppressed by society, it was hatched decades ago in the minds of activists. They opposed the structure, order, and morality of traditional society. Their stra strategy was and is to attack and destroy without providing a constructive, truth-based alternative. If you can't make sense of all this, I can't either. That itself is the goal, confusion and chaos. Yet I keep seeing one phrase stand out in, in their writing and lectures over the decades. Our understanding of gender is evolving. Evolve it did into something unrecognizable. So until the 2000s, the professional organizations remained old school. Two, th two sexes, identify fixed by age, identity fixed by age three, persistent distress over one sex calls for psychological evaluation. So for example, on, on my shelf um, of our psychiatry textbooks published in 1979 and 89, they both state male and female identities. The only possibilities back then are fixed at age three. Children uncomfortable with their sex are called troubled and are seen as having extreme pathologies. Various treatments are discussed, including family therapy. Yet during the final decades of the 20th century, new concepts appeared in gender and feminist studies, ideas like gender variance, or the gender binary is oppressive. These ideas began flourishing on campuses and in sex education. To compare these two books, both published in 1998, the year after David Raymer went public, the first is the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry's Your Child, What Every Parent Needs to Know About Children, Childhood Development from Birth to Preadolescence. In this 400, again 1998, in this 400-volume that addresses parent questions from A to Z, gender concerns are off the radar. Nothing. No sex assigned at birth no gender identity, no ink given to children unhappy with being male or female, non-binary identities, fluidity or oppression. The second book, My Gender Workbook, it was called, How to Become a Real Man, a Real Woman, the Real You, or Something Else Entirely. This book isn't for professionals. It's an activist tract recruiting kids. The cover resembles a grade school workbook and features a doll that's half Ken and half Barbie. The author is Kate Bornstein, who explains he was born Albert, but as an adult became a woman for a few years, then stopped being a woman and settled into being neither. His lover Catherine decided to become a man, David. Kate and David stayed together as a heterosexual couple. Kate writes that she now identifies as something else entirely and hopes to dismantle the gender system on the planet as we know it. The message to young people is the gender system has a death grip on them identifying as a boy or girl is neither natural nor essential. Yes, that was 1998. Both of those books. The full-blown modern version of gender theory, non-binary, fluid, oppressive, 1998. Um, it's crazy. A quarter of a century ago, Kate Albert 
slash Albert was proclaiming the articles of faith, which we looked at earlier, which are now regurgitated by all the institutions we once trusted. It didn't start yesterday. Activists are, are writing in literature, marketing to children, pediatricians, psychiatrists. Um, it's all throughout. The culture raced ahead in the, of, of the medical and mental health establishments. Kids were instructed it's normal to feel their opposite sex. Activist literature presented radical gendered beliefs and finality with finality. These are the facts. The binary is false and oppressive. Being transgender is a normal as being alive. To a 17-year-old boy who wrote, I want to be a girl, what do I do? Planned Parenthood responded in 2010. It is not uncommon for a person to identify strongly with the other gender. Talk to someone who you can trust and understands gender identity issues. On a site recommended by or to youth by Psychus, um, they quoted, Through your adult life, you'll likely find that your personal gender identity changes and grows and becomes more clear and more murky with time and life experience. Gender isn't anything close to binary, but like most things, is a wide, diverse spectrum and a varied, veritable gender palooza. They actually said that. Wow. It's no surprise that sex educators like Psychus were at the forefront of gender indoctrination. From the start, they were about social reform, urging students to question adult beliefs, reject tradition, and make it their own decisions about sexuality. Explore and experiment, students are told. It's your right. In the 60s, sex ed taught students it's healthy to question to whom you're attracted and explore the possibilities. A few decades later, they added, it's normal to question if you are male, female, neither, or both. For decades, American children have been told your mind and body may be mismatched like a pair of socks. It's perfectly normal. By the way, in 2019, Psychus dropped its spelled out title and added the tagline, sex ed for social change. <laughs> they don't hide their ambition. They never did. Amazing. They want sex to be synonymous with gender so they can destroy it. And uh, I just jumped a section, just kind of jumping down, looking through some more parts of it. As explained in Appendix 1, sex is not vague, not fluid, not multidimensional, and it's critical you and your children know that. Mammals are either male or female based on the presence or absence of the SRY, the sex-determining region, gene, on the Y chromosome, which establishes the production of sperm or eggs. Yes, it's that simple. Genderists argue sex is endlessly complex and nuanced. No, it's not. They insist it's on a spectrum. No, it's not. That it's assigned at birth. No, it's out of 0.02% of births. It's not. In 2004, I attended a UCLA conference on transgenderism and student speakers were angry. A woman living as a man described her challenges getting a pelvic exam and picking up medical or medicine for endometriosis. Staff at the clinic and pharmacy were, are confused. And that, she told the audience, is unacceptable. I am a male with a vagina, and I should be able to talk about it. Therapists should not be gatekeepers. That was another big point I was informed at the meeting. If students, if students uh, request hormones, write the letter. This is now known as gender-affirming care, GAC. The unquestioning acceptance of a patient's self-diagnosis and provision of requested medical interventions. You'll hear more about that later. Uh, one student explained, my gender is a sliding scale. It's the rejection of male and female that I find attractive. Like at the AACAP meeting seven years earlier, 
where I had raised my hand to the, say, Ludwig, not society, was disordered, I sat in the audience at UCLA bewildered, the only one, it seemed. No gatekeeping? Just write the prescription? What am I, a rubber stamp? Someone on the staff at the university took the podium. How little we know, he observed. Students are leading us. <laughs> Students are leading us? That's not science and that's not medicine. That's a political movement. And the political movement has been at the helm all these years, steamrolling the medical and scientific establishments with their radical biophobic belief system. Witnessing the process was like watching a stone edifice crack and crumble to pieces in slow motion. In 2005, a physician who was a man living as a woman spoke at the annual meeting at the American College Health Association. Dr. Jamie Booth from Tulane University School of Medicine told the audience, transsexualism is a variation of being alive, not a disorder. How should doctors and nurses care for the transgender student on their campuses? Dr. Booth instructed the audience, validate them. Again, don't be a gatekeeper. Provide the treatment they request to feel congruent with their bodies. This time, the guidance wasn't coming from a student activist. Gender-affirming care was presented as the only option for health professionals in 2005 by a physician. There was no debate. There was no new science. There was just, this is how it's done. In 2006, the American Psychological Association and their answers to your questions about transgender individuals and gender identity informed readers that some people have blended, blending or alternate, alternating genders and that GID is highly controversial. The book, My Gender Workbook, was recommended as, by a presenter at the 2006 annual meeting of the AACAP. Remember, that's the book for students by Al, who became Kate, who became not male or female, but something else entirely. A 2008 flyer published by University of Massachusetts asked, what does transphobia look like? One answer, assuming everyone is male or female. You see, I hope, that gender madness was going on right under your noses for a long, long time. Years before the teens and young adults now, today, stand in line for blockers, testosterone, estrogen, and operations were born. So compassion, stigma, and insurance codes is this next section. The medical establishment was caving to a mighty social movement. A revision of the DSM was a watershed moment in that decline. The DSM is a handbook published by the AAPA that describes psychiatric conditions. Gender identity disorder was added to the DSM in 1980. Note the word disorder. There were two components of gender identity disorder. Both were needed to make the diagnosis. The first was a strong and persistent desire to be or the insistence that one is the opposite sex, as manifested by cross-dressing, cross-sex roles in play, and preferred preferring stereotypical activities and playmates of the other sex. The second component was persistent discomfort about one sex. There also had to be evidence of clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. Age of onset was between two and four. For, for prevalence, the DSM referred to data from Europe suggesting that roughly one per 30,000 adult males and one per 100,000 adult females seek re sex reassignment surgery. The DSM noted only a very small number of children with gender identity disorder will continue to have symptoms that meet criteria for gender identity disorder in later adolescence or adulthood. 
By 2008, the DSM-IV, the fourth version of the manual, still included gender identity disorder, classifying Ludovic, Kate Bornstein, Jazz Jennings, which we'll talk about later, and Rachel Levine, the Admiral, as patients with an emotional problem. Clearly, that wouldn't work. So what they do? They changed it. They made, they made it say what they wanted it to say. Psychiatrist Jack Drescher, perhaps the most highly re regarded voice of LGBT issues in psychiatry, described the dilemma well. It is difficult to find rec reconciling language that removes the stigma of having a mental disorder di diagnosis while maintaining access to medical care. So we had to get rid of the word diagnosis or disorder, but you still need to be able to have someone pay for it. So the word disorder was particularly distasteful. So many, uh, Dr. Kenneth Zucker uh, was quoted, many transgender activists and some clinicians argued that GID was not a mental disorder. Transsexualism was nothing more than a normal variant of gender identity that his classification as a mental disorder contributed to stigma and that there was nothing inherently wrong with a gender identity that was incongruent with one's biological sex. A violation of human rights it now enters the picture. 2010, WPATH, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, said it's not just wrong to believe gender confusion is a disorder, it violates human rights. Here's the quote. Gender variance is not in and of itself a psychiatric disorder and therefore the label of gender identity disorder as a mental illness, mental disorder is not appropriate. Such labeling may undermine human rights in that it undermines legitimacy of identity and creates and sustains social stigma. WPATH went further in 2012, attempting to change gender identity and expression to become more congruent with biological sex as ineffective and unethical. Whew. And they just kept going and kept going. 55.8% of respondents believe GID should be excluded from the new DSM. The survey revealed a broad consensus that if the diagnosis remains in the DSM, there needs to be an overhaul of the inane criteria and language. So what do they do? They start mudslinging psychiatrists. They do not let people speak, as we see even today. The DSM-5 leadership, as they're prepping for the next DSM, has lost contact with the field of restrict by restricting the necessary free communication of its working groups. The pair of doctors wrote, calling the drafting of the diagnosis manual a secretive and closed DSM process that is insulting to the other mental health professionals. Resulting DSM, they warned, would haunt the field and the APA for decades. Following publication in 2013, Dr. Francis told physicians to use the manual cautiously, if at all. That's the DSM-5. They downgraded the GID to GD, so gender identity disorder to gender dysphoria. That was their new word. Question here. Was there agreement? The answer is none. There was no agreement about it in the 2013, and there is none now. As Stephen Lean put it to me, diagnosis in psychiatry is supposed to be based on studies, not politics or well-intentioned concepts of how to make the world a better place. To this day, mental health professionals are at one another's throats over the proper approach to patients with gender dysphoria. There is no consensus. After the DSM made distress and not congruence of mind and body, the focus of psychiatric concern, one of the most powerful lobbying organizations in Washington changed its course. The Human Rights Campaign, HRC, spent years working to redefine marriage 
and they won in 2015. What to do next? In 2014, HRC's annual report barely mentioned the word transgender. The latest annual report mentions trans or transgender nearly 100 times in 33 pages. HRC has had abruptly pivoted and now its training workforce waves the trans flag. HRC isn't just a powerhouse with a roughly $45 million annual budget. It raises those millions from influential mainstream brands, Amazon, Apple, Google, Morgan Stanley, Target. The Articles of Faith have big name devotees. The federal government is in the game. The Department of Health and Human Services tells us gender identity is an inborn self-perception. It can be male, female, both or neither. It can change throughout life. The International Classification of Diseases, ICD, lists diagnosis and includes codes for health and records and billing. The latest version was um, promulgated in 20, 2022 and gender dysphoria was removed and its place was gender incongruence. Just like with the DSM, this change wasn't based on evidence but on activists with an agenda. Using incongruence depathologizes gender confusion even further. Gender incongruence is considered a sexual health condition in the same category as pregnancy. With the message, rejecting your biology is a healthy and ordinary process. Wow. The World Health Organization, WHO, went further, removing gender identity disorder from its global manual of diagnosis altogether. Activists celebrated a big win. Parents, you must understand, these aren't just words on paper. We all want to trust authorities to inform us what's cause for concern and what's not. When we must intervene medically and when we can wait. Having confidence in professional medical organizations, parents sign on the dotted line for puberty blockers and young adults seek castration. They're being misled and misinformed. Biology doesn't care about your inner sense. Over the past two to three decades, as our institutions fell to gender tyranny, scientists explored a new field of medicine, the biology of sex. Their discovery refutes um, refute the article, articles of faith. They contradict the idea with which your children are being indoctrinated. They just demonstrate the inborn, unchanging, binary nature of male and female. So to elaborate, inborn, sex is established at conception. Unchanging, sex is permanent and binary, Sex is male or female, there is no spectrum. Yeah. Hard science explores the natural world, for example, biology, chemistry, physics. Soft science explores intangibles, behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. Psychology, sociology, anthropology are examples of soft sciences. Hard science is based on the scientific method in which experiments have controlled variables, objective measurements, critical analysis, and verification. In the hard sciences, the scientific method is straightforward. In the soft sciences, it's difficult. So what do we do with this? Listen to Larry Cahill, an international recognized professor of neurobiology at the University of California, Irvine. The mammalian brain is clearly a highly sex-influenced organ. Both its function and dysfunction must therefore be sex-influenced to an important degree. Dr. Luann Brizendine, a neuropsychiatrist, founder of the Women's Mood and Hormone Clinic at University of California, San Francisco, and author of The Male Brain, a breakthrough understanding of how men and boys think, and The Female Brain, males and females have a distinct biology. There is no unisex brain. Here, listen to that. The impact of sex-specific chromosomes and hormones is not limited to the brain. All cells 
and the Body of Sex. It's the title of a paper by three researchers at Chicago's Medical School, Department of Physiology and Biophysics. And they, they are quoted. Not only does an individual have a sex, but each and every cell within the individual's body also has a sex. As we embark on an era of so-called personalized medicine, consider consideration of the impact of pharmacological therapies on male and female cells need to be made. So we're moving in one direction and then also in another, like totally opposite. In 1990, the National Institutes of Health created an Office for Research in Women's Health in recognition that men and women are unique and the medical and research communities can no longer assume otherwise. Here's an example of language on their website. Sex makes us male or female. Every cell in your body has a sex, making up tissues and organs like your skin, brain, heart, and stomach. Each cell is either male or female. You know what's astonishing? Sex differences have been discovered even before a fetal male's testes begin secreting testosterone. They are seen remarkably early, prior to the embryo's implantation in the uterus. It's fascinating. The fact, or that fact, and many other observations indicate that the presence of XX or XY chromosomes impacts all cells and organs independently of hormones like estrogen and testosterone. Gender ideologues want us to believe your daughter's your daughter can be given testosterone and voila, she's your son. Not quite. Name the medical condition and I will describe a difference in the response of each sex. Women are better at fighting bacteria, fungi, and parasites. Menstrual cycles impact symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome, migraines, and other conditions. Men are more likely to survive severe burns. Over 80% of autoimmune diseases are in women. Until menopause, women have a lower risk of hypertension and cardiovascular disease. Women are more likely to develop certain heart rhythm abnormalities. There are critical sex differences in the therapeutic power of drugs and their side effects. Do you see why there's a medical specialty called gender-specific medicine? It's a new science studying the differences in the normal function of men and women. Researchers now recommend that if possible, women needing kidney transplants receive the organ from a female donor. They're more likely to reject male kidneys because the Y chromosomes are seen as foreign. Sex differences are observable at birth. At, at one day, boys look longer at a mobile while girls show stronger interest in faces. At one year, girls are drawn again to videos of faces and boys to videos of racing cars. At year one and two, girls make more eye contact with their mothers than boys. Male and females are not are male and female are social constructs. <laughs> Gender differences are created by European men, <laughs> not quite. Neurobiology confirms that experts observed in cultures across the planet. From sex differences in the brain, from genes to behavior, across cultures, girls more than boys are interested in and engaged with dolls and doll accessories, arts and crafts, kitchen, toys, fashion, and makeup. Whereas boys are more than boys more than girls are interested in and engaged with transportation, toys, electronics, blocks, especially complex building sets, and sports. These preferences emerge at nine months, are stable by eighteen months, and remain pervasive and consistent. So the explosion of data demonstrating sex differences prompted the development of a new specialty, as mentioned, gender-specific medicine. With leading researchers and clinicians producing the seminal text, the book Principles of Gender-Specific Medicine, Gender in the Genomic Era. The expansion of knowledge about sexual dimorphism and sex-based biology characterizes the future of improved healthcare. 
have become a long ways negative, backwards. That's what the science says. But the gender ideologues are dug in. Dr. Marcy Bowers, the president of WPATH, dares to say, assigning gender identity on the basis of genitalia makes about as much sense as assigning it on the basis of height. Biologically, we're much closer to each other because everyone starts out with a primordial female anatomy, so everything a male has, a female has, and vice versa. It's just a matter of how the cards are shuffled. Wow. Dr. Bowers, your biophobia is showing. John Money would be proud. Dr. Bowers is right that at conception, humans are anatomically similar, but it's not just that cards are shuffled. It's more like early in fetal development, babies hit a fork in the road in male or female. Those paths lead to vastly different places, and you can't choose a new one once you've started. If John Money lived today and not decades ago, I highly doubt, giving, given our awareness of the enormity of sex differences at every level of functioning, at every system of the body, and from before birth, that anyone would believe his theory that we are born gender neutral. Back then, with limited knowledge, one could believe the Y chromosome was nearly empty and almost everything was up to nurture. In this era, it is impossible to defend such a position. Wild. Dr. Christine Nusil, Nuslane Vollard, 1995 winner of the Nobel Prize in Medicine, said it best, referring to the idea that an individual is whatever gender he or she claims to be, she declared, that's nonsense. There are people who want to change their gender, but they can't do it because it's built into every single chromosome in the human body and affects each individual's development from the moment of conception. In 1997, I put my hand down. No longer. Decades of hard science utterly invalidate John Money's theory, yet young people are being sacrificed at his feet. These aren't just bad ideas. These bad ideas have a body count, and the body count is rising. Wow. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at HealingLives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Lives Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.